Hello, I'm your host, Angie Nisbet, and it's my pleasure to bring you Season 2 of Married to the Land, a podcast sharing stories of our everyday rural women, their journey from the beginning, and how their path has let them become married to the land. A small disclaimer before we start, these recordings are done with the help of the internet and as some of you already know, the internet in rural areas can be a little bit touch and go, so there might be areas of this recording that have a very small lag time. Married to the Land listeners, I have a treat for you over the next two weeks. The podcast today will be the first of a two-part interview series. I've been circling around these two inspiring rural women for the last few months, and I'm so overjoyed to be able to introduce and interview them. Kylie Rutledge, along with her daughter Meg, are fifth-generation farmers and are the owners and creators of Mobile Homestead, located outside of Quilpie in Queensland. Both have very different journeys in their own right, and one thing remains true. Home is where the heart is. So I have both Meg and Kylie joining me today. Kylie and Meg, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me on the Married to the Land podcast. How are you both? Very well, thank you. Well, thank you, Angie. Thanks for having us. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. Now, obviously, we're doing this interview um, with the two of you, so we're going to break it up. So first of all, Kylie, I wanted to start with you. Um, You know, tell me a little bit about, uh, you know, your history, um, where you were before mobile, um, where you grew up, and a little bit about your childhood. I grew up in Brisbane, went to school in Brisbane, and uh, but both my parents came from the bush, so we always had a really close connection and family that still um, lived in the bush and we spent most of our holidays with grandparents um, on their properties too. So, yep, always had those connections. Mm, And during school, was there any ideas that you, um, what what, you know, did you have an idea of what you wanted to do when you graduated? Did you always have this um, burning feeling that you'd go back to the bush at all? I think we always, my brother and I both always, uh loved the life in the bush and um but I didn't have any idea what I wanted to do when I left mm-hmm. school I still don't really know what I want to do Angie <laughs> so um when I grow up but uh no and I was quite young when I left school because back in those days you know they started you when you were so young and if you were turning I don't know four or five or three or something by June the next year you could start school. So um, I was 16, so was my brother actually when when we both left school. So looking back, we are pretty young. Yeah. yeah, that is really young. And I suppose back then was there a massive push, you know, on university and stuff like that or was everyone sort of in the same boat? Uh, I suppose there was. Um, when you got to grade 10 um, going to a girls' school, you either did typing and shorthand or you did science subjects, which you know, allowed you to go to university and that's what I did. Um, And my father always said that when I left school I was absolutely qualified for nothing because I couldn't type, which is probably quite true really in a way. Um, But, yeah, no, I had no idea. I just I knew I didn't probably want to go to university, which was probably a great mistake because it was free back then. Yeah. Um, Hey, what a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how times have changed. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so Kylie, you, you made the decision to cl- go to Cloncurry. How did that job opportunity open up for you? Um, it was advertised in the country life and I wrote a letter off to um, the McDonald's and they wrote a letter back and said, yes, could you come? So I did. 
Yeah. And what was your job role there? I was governess for their two youngest children. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And did you enjoy fantastic. that? Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. We spent a lot of time outside um, mustering cattle and um, short short interludes inside doing school in between. So, yeah. Mm. And can you can you remember the the journey up there um were you sort of um a bit uh i suppose shocked or were you really ready for that that adventure no it was just so exciting um i remember um don flew into and met me in mount Isa at the airport in his airplane and hopped in and away we went and yeah it was it was wings all year it was just amazing great mm. family and a lot of fun yeah, and was Cloncurry a social area, and was it hard, or was it hard to connect socially? No, um, oh, the the properties themselves are fairly social because they all employed quite a few people, and um, and through the winter months there was always something on. So yeah, there's catch a lift somewhere, and it's amazing how um, you can jump in cars and jump in another car and get to where you have to get to. So. Yeah. And did you, have you made lifelong friends from, from that experience up there? Is there anyone you still keep in contact with or have reconnected with over the years? No, probably not actually. Um, I think that we're all sort of flung together and then you're flung off again as you, everyone leaves and goes on onto the next part of their journey. So it's probably a reflection of my poor networking qualities that, um, <laughs> yeah. There's too much letter writing involved, obviously, to keep in contact with too many people back then. So Yeah. And can you remember, uh, Kylie, do you think that's where your um, real love of the rural land came from or do you think it was still from those those times of um, going out with, um, you know, family onto the properties or was it was it no, something? I definitely think it was in, instilled in us at a, a younger age. Um, but I hadn't been up into the north of Queensland before, so that was a totally different experience and it was um, just so much fun. Mm. It was great. So, yeah. And you worked your way down to Quilpie. What drew you to that area? Because it's a completely different landscape to Cloncurry and, and also you being from Brisbane originally. Uh, what, what took you down there? Um, well, the country life once again, but in between I went nursing for an extremely short period of time. I was an appalling nurse. Oh, I was probably all right, you know, but I just didn't like going to hospital every day. So, sorry. Um, yeah, so I went nursing because that was something they paid you to do back then. And I thought, well, that's, that sounded like a fair deal. Um, and I just didn't really want to be a nurse. Mm. And so my father said to me, well, you can't leave a job until you have a job. So I opened the country life up again. And um, the Rutledges who lived next door to us at that stage were looking for a governess. So I said to my very patient parents, um, I will go skiing with you and then come back and go to Coolby for six months and then I will go and do my science degree at university. So... Mm. Yeah. Um, and being not a person of my word, I didn't do that at all. <laughs> I never left Quilpie. <laughs> so talk me through your time in Quilpie because um, that's also where you met your husband, Brian. But talk to me about, um, you know, the, the community, um, what it was like back then. Um, yeah, 
Well, it's by and large the same community that it is now, except there's probably only half as many people now. So we're then, but lots of young people, lots of governesses and jackaroos and, um, yeah, incredibly great network of people who all want to have fun. So I just fitted right in there. Yeah. And what was the season like when you arrived there? Can you remember? Uh, the season was absolutely extraordinary. We'd had a really wet winter and massive floods in May and I arrived out here in July. So the first spring, the wildflowers were just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget the taste of the um, the mutton, that um, that winter herbage mutton. It, it was so delicious. It was just great. So, yeah, and then I met Brian and um, and there you go. I'm and then here all these people. Yeah. Yeah, so you met Brian and and married in 1985. Um, you know, you guys obviously hit it off. So tell me a little bit about, um, you know, moving to Mobile Homestead and, and can you remember what it was like? You know, were you excited? Were you nervous? Um, yes, well, very excited. And I moved here after we were married. And Brian and I um, lived in the, in the cottage at that stage, which prior to us being married, had been a feed shed for some some years. So it took a little bit of knocking into shape, but that was just so exciting because it was going to be our home and, um, yeah, we got in and we cleaned it out and painted it and polished the floors. And so that was, um, yeah, it was all very exciting. Good. Yep. And did yeah. you do all those renovations yourself or did you get a little bit of help? Oh, we had help. And we did some ourselves and and then everything's just evolved over the years from there. So we mm. still do lots of ourselves and we still get help. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For the years to come and before you started family, um, what did you what did you personally learn, um, you know, especially being a rural woman? What do you take away from those years? Like what's one lesson that's really ingrained in you from that time? Just to have a go. Hmm. and have confidence that you can, if you break something down bit by bit, you can actually probably do pretty much anything. Hmm. Um, I think that's been one of the big lessons that living out here has taught me. Hmm. You have to be reliant on yourself and, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you became a mother of four girls and they're all very close in age. Um Talk to me about becoming a mum. Was that something you enjoyed? Was it was it difficult? Did you find adjusting um, to, you know, obviously the property work and then becoming a mum, was that a hard adjustment? Stick with us. We'll be back after the break. ICPA is an educational voice for rural and remote families and their students. They are committed to ensuring equitable access to education, opportunities and support for every step of a student's learning journey from early childhood through to tertiary trade or training. Membership is for all families and interested parties, whether they live in a rural or remote town, on a property, are itinerant workers or simply have a connection to rural and remote education issues, which the ICPA advocate for. If you want your voice for your children, join a branch near you. With 45 branches, you're sure to be able to reach out and connect. Membership is easy to get. Head to www.icpa.com.au to join today.
No, I don't think so. Um, there were lots of other young married couples in the district. Uh, we had a huge network of, of friends and family around us, really, and, and we were all going through the same journey at the same time. So even though we had the old party line, so there wasn't much chatting on the telephone unless you wanted the exchange to relay everything for you, but we had lots of weekends where we'd meet up with friends for dinner parties or tennis days and um, so I think in a way we all shared what was going on with our children and um, even though we lived hours away from each other, I never felt that we were alone or I never felt lonely either. So mm. um, we just made all our mistakes together, I think. Yeah. And is there a particular story that you can share with us, Kylie, where you might have had all the girls together, like yourself and the girls, that um any time that you might have felt a bit scared or is there a funny story that you can really remember that you're just like, gee whiz, I, this is just going to be one that I can tell the kids in years to come? Uh, no, you know, their childhood was a bit of a blur when I look back. I, I find it sometimes hard to remember, oh, I don't know which ones you all are, darling, but, you know, individual, <laughs> a bit of a mass blur. Uh, the oldest three were anyway, but I did think of something um, and it's really not to do with your question, but... Uh, we used to all get together. This is this great group that, um, and we went on this mad binge on Harry Belafonte for a while. And so we'd all meet somewhere and we'd have a dinner party and we think we'd put the kids all to bed and then we'd, you know, uh, party on and party on and we always ended up dancing to Harry Belafonte thinking the kids are all tucked up in bed. And then a few of us noticed that our children were all singing all the Harry Belafonte songs after a while and we thought, oh, yay. So maybe the children weren't tucked up in bed as much as we thought they were. But, yeah, they <laughs> were such fun years. They really were. They were great years. So, yeah. Um, that, yeah. Too, you know, they would, if we were having a tennis party, we'd all get there and the kids would all just see each other and they'd just, go I mean most of the time we probably didn't even know what they were doing but they they all came back so yeah yeah Yeah, they'll always come back if they're hungry if they want something (laughs) (laughs) um Kyle I want to circle back to um you know your home now it's been in Brian's family since is it 1914 is that correct yeah they just came out here in 1914 and they took up country south of here and um and they bought mobile, the mobile blocks in 1924. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. So you are the fifth generation? Next, the fifth generation. Fifth gen- yeah, wow. And has it been a hard slog, do you think? Um, I don't know. Probably at times it's been a very hard slog, but that's just the nature of of life, isn't it? And not mm. necessarily just my life, but generational lives as well. Um but yeah, I, I don't yeah. know whether slog's the word I would use. It's it certainly it has its challenges, but I think um, no matter what you're doing in life, it's what you get out, what you put in, don't you? So mm. yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah. Um, now for myself, I know I've definitely been having a look on your um, page. Your garden is absolutely spectacular. Um, are you a keen gardener? Is it something you taught yourself or have you always been a bit of a green thumb? Um, I wasn't, but I grew up surrounded by um, parents and grandparents who who were great gardeners. 
Um, as a child, I hated gardening. We always thought it was a punishment because we always ended up having to do things like weed our grandmother's rose bed or cart manure for her or all those things that as children you just thought were tedious beyond belief. But I think I realised when we were married and we, we had no garden at all that um, unless I did it, we probably weren't going to have one. So, And Brian is the same. I mean, he came from a family who've always um, gardened and had lovely gardens as well. So we were both keen to create something. We just didn't quite know what it was going to be. But, yeah, mm. that's an exciting, a really exciting um a challenge to have on your plate, though, to be able to have a piece of dirt and you can make of it what you want. You can do as little or as much or, mm. yes, it's, um, it's a way. You're always learning in a garden. Yeah. I love that you talk about, you know, you can create what you want from that because it is so true and, um, yeah, I highly recommend people to jump on on your website and have a look because it's, it's just spectacular, like, Ah, you've really inspired me to get into the garden here. So um, but I think too that you should be, um, it's such a great outlet for your creativity. So you should never feel that you have to do it this way or do it that way. I mean, obviously there are basics that need to be done like watering and fertilising and all those sort of things. But the, um, the creative side of it, it just lets you do what you want to do and it's your own. So there's no right or wrong with gardening. It's all... It's all about what you want. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Uh, I wanted to go back to talk about the the Quilpy community. Um, mm-hmm. It's it would be a quite large one, I can imagine. And and you know, what do you love about it so much? Um, yeah. What, what when you look at Quilpy um, and and um, the community, what really sticks out for you? That just it's something you really love. Oh, definitely the people. Um, and there's so few of us over such a, a big area. So, um, but it's always the people that keep you where you want to live, really. And the landscape's pretty spectacular, but the people are pretty jolly funny, really. So, um, and I think because there's so few of us, uh, once again, it's that um, it's that freedom to be who you want to be and who you are, and you're not pro- pro- probably felt as there's no constraints probably as such. And I also think that everyone's slightly eccentric, which is why we all want to live out here without not too many other people around us. So, <laughs> um, yeah. That's a great, a great way of looking at it. People out here. Yeah, they, because they're allowed to be themselves. Yeah. It's an amazing artistic community out here as well. And I think that's fostered by that um, lack of constraint and the freedom to to um, let your own creativity evolve and, and it doesn't have to be in someone else's parameters. Mm. And what's some of the big events around Quilpy that you guys are involved in? Um, well, when we were first married, we used to uh, play polo every winter, which was fantastic fun. And there was polo cross and the Quilpy Water and Flower Show, which is just an iconic event. Um, and those polo finished about Oh, I don't know, 2002, I think, maybe earlier than that, 90s. Yeah, 92. So um, what do we do now? We The races are on twice a week, twice a week, if only, twice a year. <laughs> and, uh, and the Wool and Flower Show, they're probably the big three events with bits and pieces interspersed. I've probably forgotten something really important and people are going to be really, really annoyed. <laughs> 
Do I will let you know any Quilpy listeners if you <laughs> are out there, Kylie, if she, she's apologizing now. <laughs> oh, Kylie, what advice would you give um, any young rural woman wanting to move to, you know, out to the middle of nowhere or what's something that, that um, you know, advice that you probably would have given yourself um, when you were a bit younger? Oh, well, definitely. I know I wrote this one down for you. Um, I loved your answer too, so I hope you uh, say this. Yes, you should always wear a hat and gloves every time you go outside and always wear sensible shoes in case you have to walk home. Um, and you know what? We still, when we go off somewhere, you think, oh, God, we need to throw another pair, pair of shoes in the car just in case I have to walk. And the other thing I think is really important is to, when you get up in the morning, know where the wind's blowing. I think that's a really great way to know what the day ahead's going to bring mm. and it also connects you to to where you are and what what's happening mm. in the big big world around you that day and it's something I really miss if we're away from home for a while I don't know why I don't seem to do it if we're in Brisbane or something but I really get disconnected from where the wind's blowing and mm. it's something that I think is um yeah yeah, I agree with you on that, Kylie. Like I know if I go to a big city, I can get a little bit anxious and probably not, you know, subconsciously I, I get like that, but it's when you come back and, you know, take a deep breath and you go outside, you check the clouds, you check this. It's just subconscious, isn't it? Like yeah. you, you just slip back into that. So, um, yeah, that's that's really good advice. I'm happy, I'm happy you said that. And I love that you said wear hat gloves and always wear sensible shoes because it's something I learned um, from working on a place. Um, your hands, especially with the weather, isn't it? They just um they deteriorate so quickly. So looking after them is yeah, super do. important. Mm-hmm. Super important. Um, influential people in your life, who have they been and and why? Um Influential people. Um, I suppose my family have been the biggest influence on, on who I am now and how I try to live my life. So, and that's not just my parents. I'm talking about grandparents as well. And mm. um, we've had a pretty strong family structure in our lives. So, and it's who we still turn to, I suppose, for our support and, you know, our children the same. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I'm not speaking on their behalf. I'm, I mean, our children are at, at an age now where we're probably looking to them for support as well. So lucky them. Yeah. Your family is a strength and, and one that you love to share. Are you still very close with all the four girls? Do you talk quite regularly? Obviously Meg's home, but um, with the other three? Yeah, we don't always talk as much as um, as we probably would if they were all living in Australia because the time zone thing gets a bit um yeah out of whack but we do a lot of texting and um and now that we have our little grandson we do uh what we're doing now um FaceTiming. yeah so um yeah obviously with the pandemic you didn't get an opportunity to go over and and meet your first grandson but I hope you do um yeah, and that's do. a great thing about over here and me <laughs> Yeah, is is um uh as you said Sarah is overseas, is that correct? Yeah. That's right, yeah. And Felicity's in London as well. So we have um a child in probably the two worst pandemic countries in the world. So anyway, yeah. they're fine. They're well and they're happy and that's good. 
Yeah. Well, that's good. I was about to ask you, as long as they're healthy, which is first and foremost, yeah. isn't it? They're good pragmatic um, girls, so let's get on with them, get on with things. So. Yeah. Kyla, who's your support? Who's your support network or your support person? Who Who's your go-to? Uh, I definitely, Brian. Brian and I, um, I think, are a pretty good team together and, uh, yeah, we we work together all the time and, uh, and not always um, brilliantly, but we try and certainly he's my absolute support. Yeah. And um, how... How do you think Brian would describe you as a person? Brian describe me as a person. Or anyone, your friends or family, how would they describe you? Oh, punctual, I think. Yeah. I'm very punctual. Yeah. 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 I love punctual people. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then also, Kyle, I wanted to ask you, what in what excites you about being a rural woman and for rural women moving forward? Um, what excites me about being a rural woman is I suppose I just love where I live so and and I love my life which is lucky um, and I also love the opportunities that are out there I think now that possibly weren't even there when I was married although I never felt that we were lacking in opportunities then either but having um, Meg home with us it's just been an absolute um, eye-opener for in how she can um, bring a new business into um, something that was probably had hadn't changed much in the business mix for for generations, and I know you send these children away and they're educated and they go off and see the world, and it's everything you hope for that they come home and and bring all that life experience with them as well, and so that's been. Um, exciting to see all these businesses look at you and what you're doing as well I mean it's just fantastic um the opportunities that people are creating for themselves and no one else is doing it for them it's it has to come from from you or Meg or anyone else but yeah I think it's it's exciting times That was part one of our two-part interview with Kylie and Meg Rutledge. You can head over to Instagram and check out their amazing homestay by searching Mobile Homestead. Be sure to tune in next week where we sit down and talk with Meg Rutledge and how she transitioned into the mobile homestead business as well as how she got there. I look forward to bringing you that part two with Meg. It is honestly a cracker.